The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. There's a list of uh, clubs and parks that will be in for Impact this week. We had 160 people at Impact training this past week. Kids, adults, uh, people from Grace Bible, and a phenomenal week of uh, growth for our young people. And so we are very grateful for them and all that's doing. Monday, June 24th is a night of corporate prayer. We have decided to do once a quarter corporate prayer. Put that on your calendar. If you were with us last time, it was a great time of praying for and with and over one another. And we'd love for you to be a part of that particular evening. So if you have your Bibles, uh, what I've done today for our Father's Day message is I've picked out my favorite verses that deal with the family. So uh, I took that prerogative and we're going to look at uh, some of these verses together over the morning. So Judges chapter 2 is where we're going to start and then uh, bookmark John chapter 4 because we're going to spend some time in John chapter 4. So Judges chapter 2 and John chapter 4, we'll look at some verses in between as well. Next week, I'll be back up, and we'll be looking at Abraham and Isaac. So if you want to study ahead, we're back to our hero series next week, and we'll look at Abraham and Isaac and uh, how Christ is seen as the hero of that particular area. Father, as we open the word up today, and as we look at it, and as we honor fathers, and as we're grateful, Father, for you being our heavenly Father on this day, it's with great joy that we come together. It's good to be with the body. And Father, we pray now that you would teach us in the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Guys, this is our day. I've been chastised in the past for getting guys here on Father's Day then beating up on them. And so uh, some of the guys emailed me and said, take it easy on us today, encourage us. So I, I'm going to encourage you today. I really want to do that. So, um, so I, I just want to celebrate uh, being a guy and being a dad today. Back when we did the House of Cards series a few uh, years ago, I think it was about four summers ago now, uh, I shared some of these with you. Reasons why it's good to be a guy. I mean, ladies, we love you, we care for you, but there are certainly advantages to being a guy, right guys? And uh, I ran across some of those, shared this in House of Cards. There's some reasons why it's good to be a guy. First of all, you can be showered and ready in 10 minutes. Amen, guys? Amen. Secondly, you can watch a game in silence with your buddy for hours and nobody thinks anything's wrong. I mean, you can do that and get away with it. Uh, thirdly, you can go to the bathroom without a support group. And that's a great reason to be a guy. And finally, your pals can be trusted never to trap you with this question. So, you notice anything different? And every good man says, amen. Yeah, sure, there's something different about all that. How do we become spiritually successful men? How do you become a faithful father? I mean, how, how do we do that? Uh, someone sent me an article a number of years ago. It says, a father is a person who's forced to endure childbirth without anesthesia. Father never feels entirely worthy of the worship he receives through his children's eyes. Fathers grow old faster than mothers because when they stand at the airport to wave goodbye to a son or daughter headed off to war, or in the driveway when they're headed off to college, mothers cry and fathers stand and beam on the outside and die on the inside. How do we become faithful fathers? Fathers are men who give daughters away to other men who aren't nearly, as, aren't nearly good enough so they can have children that are smarter than anybody else's. <laughs> That's a dad. But here's a reality. We're grateful, aren't we? Many of us have daughters that marry good, godly, faithful men. And my son-in-law will probably listen to this, and I want him to know I consider him that type of man. Deep down inside, though, when dad passes away, he'll be missed. His chair will be painfully empty, but others will carry on 
his faithful legacy if he leaves one. How do we do that? How do we leave this faithful legacy? How do we make generational impacts? How do we look at that? So I want to look at something very basic today, the ABCs of fatherhood. The ABCs of fatherhood. The first thing I'd like to look at is the A, we need to be fathers of purpose. We need to be fathers of purpose. Every man in here who's a dad needs to be a father of purpose. We've looked at Judges chapter 2 many times in the past. And I told you, I've written in the margin of my Bible next to verse 10, one of the saddest verses in the scriptures. Let me give you the setting. The setting is this. The nation of Israel has gone into the promised land, and they've been busy planting fields, building houses, fighting Canaanites, and they've neglected to do the most important thing, one of the very basic things. They forgot to teach their children about who the, who the Lord is. And so you drop down, and Joshua dies in verse 8, and it says in verse 10, all that generation were gathered to their fathers. That's a euphemism for they died. They gathered to their fathers. There arose another generation after them. Their children grew up, and I've underlined the end of verse 10 of my Bible, who did not know the Lord nor the work that he had done for Israel. You see, they were so busy taking care of building their homes and planting their fields and defeating Canaanites that they forgot their very purpose, and the purpose was to teach generations about God. And when you look at that verse, it says they did all these things, but the next generation didn't know the things that God had done. And what were those things? I mean, what had these men experienced? The men, Joshua's great men, they they had experienced things like seeing the walls of Jericho come down. How could you not tell your kids about that? They had passed through the River Jordan when it separated, much like the Red Sea had done in previous generations. This generation had walked on dry ground through the Jordan River, and they forgot to tell their sons about the mighty power of God. They had forgotten their purpose. Now, I'm glad that doesn't happen today, right? Guys, it's so easy to lose sight of the basics, to get so busy with our daily affairs of life, to neglect teaching our children the basic truth. We teach them how to, how to, we teach them about sports and about hunting, about money and makeup, about history and science, but sometimes we neglect to tell them about Jesus and eternal things. And to be a dad of purpose, to be a dad of spiritual success, We have to do the opposite of Judges chapter 2. We have to make sure that generations hear from us about our Savior. That we talk about Jesus. We make sure they know our story. That they see us as men who are in the Word of God. That, that, that we are the ones who lead in uh, maybe a weekly family devotional, that we are the ones who make sure that our family is up and at church, and not that we have to be the ones dragged here by our wives. We have to be the ones who take the lead in finding a small group and making sure that we're part of that. We have to lead by example. I'll never forget a dad of purpose. Uh, Walking in the hallway one Sunday at TBC, or maybe it was a nighttime, I can't remember the exact time, and there were two teenage boys. This is several years ago. And I was walking behind them. And that's when I could hear, actually. But anyway, uh, I overheard one say to the other, I saw your dad at IHOP having a Bible study with some other men when I was there the other morning. And the second teen said, yep, that's the kind of stuff my dad always does. Don't you love that? I mean, that young man grew up saying, my dad's the kind of guy who goes and meets with other dads to be part of the Word. That's the kind of stuff my dad does. It's my prayer for you men that you'll be that kind of dad. That you will be the one who not only speaks of the way, but shows the way. That you lead by example. You know, our kids are watching us. They're watching everything you do. Our granddaughter is, uh, she'll be two in July. 
And uh, we were coming back through after being at MD Anderson last week and coming back through. And I was watching Emerson Kate while they were doing something, and it was my job. And I set my phone down, my phone down on the table. And she's not quite two yet. She picks up my phone, hits the button in the middle, slides it over, and turns it on. <laughs> now, I, I, she, I mean, how many of you have kids or grandkids that can do that? And they're like two years Every one of them. I mean, isn't it amazing? I mean, it's amazing. Where do they learn that? By watching you. That video I played there, the video we're going to play at the end, that's the point. Those little eyes watch everything you do. They can pick up an iPhone. They can pick up an iPad. They can pick all that up, and they can turn it on before they can even talk. And that's because they're watching you. So dads and moms, it's a high, high privilege, high, high privilege to be men and women of purpose to model that. Jim Dobson said this, a Christ-like example is the greatest gift a dad can leave the next generation. That should be our desire. Let me be real practical, real practical. Make sure that they hear you pray. Make sure that they see you in the word. Make sure that they know what the Lord is doing in your life. Be a dad of purpose. One of the verses I use oftentimes in child dedications as a commentary on this section, it says, God, it's Psalm 78, it's the, the scripture is in your notes. It says, he commanded the fathers to teach the children that generations to come, even children to be born, would arise and tell their children to put their confidence in God and not forget his works. The commentary on Judges 2. Be a dad of purpose. You model the way and you go the way. I ran across some contrasting stories in my card file. One is a story of a guy named Charles Francis Adams. He was a 19th century political figure and diplomat in England. He kept a journal, and his teenage son kept a journal. One day he entered, he said in his journal, went fishing with my son today, a day wasted. His son also kept a journal. On that same day, Brooke Adams, his son, wrote as a teenager, went fishing with my dad today, most wonderful day of my life. You see, what's your perspective? Where do you invest your time? Who are you going to spend it with? And how are you going to have purpose? In a moment of teenage carelessness, writes one lady, she said, when I was 16 years old, I wrecked my mother's car. I called my mom and dad, told them what happened. My dad was concerned with my physical condition, and he was concerned with my emotions. He came to the scene of the accident. No angry tirade, no screaming just wanting to know if I was okay. He looked at the mangled car as it was being towed off. And I'll never forget what happened next. He handed me the keys and said, Honey, you drive home. And that lady says this. She says, I learned more about the character of my heavenly father through what my earthly father did to me on that day. Being a dad of purpose and a dad of love. And so when you look at that, that becomes our privilege and our responsibility. Howard Hendricks, my mentor at Dallas Seminary, said a casual attitude towards your home invites casualty within your home. And that's what happened in Judges chapter 2. When you look at that verse, think about it. Now, there are no guarantees here. Many of you have lived godly lives and you've lived it before your kids and you've got prodigals. And my prayer is that you will be... You will be one who prays and cares for the prodigal. Some of you say, Gary, I messed up. I was not a dad of purpose when they were at home. It's never too late to start today. Never too late. You honor the Father with your life. You seek reconciliation. There are great stories of reconciliation in this body. 
And when you look at this, when you look at this sad passage, you recognize there can be a great story of reconciliation between dads and sons and daughters. Purpose of parenting, I think, is to move our kids from dependence upon us to dependence upon the Lord. Amen? And you move them in that direction. Third John 4, my favorite verse on parenting says what? I have no greater joy than this, to see my children walking in truth. There's no greater joy. And so that's my prayer for you and for me. I'm a proud dad and blessed beyond measure with two kids and their spouses who love Jesus, honor Jesus, and walk with Jesus. Five grandkids who are being pointed to Jesus. Many of you have the same thing. So if the dad, if your dad is here or the dad who is a father of your kids, it'd be a great time to reach out and give him a big hug. And if your dad's here or the father of your kids, in fact, I'll give you permission, ladies, to kiss them right here in church. How's that? <laughs> Last time somebody did that was on your wedding day in a church, okay? <laughs> so go ahead and do that, man. Honor God. Thank God for that man who's a part of your life. We are blessed with godly men. The B, the ABCs, I've actually got a D for you too. It should be ABCDs of the faith. Building up the words of encouragement. Building up the words of encouragement. When Jesus was baptized, the Father spoke to him. And what did the Father say? This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, did the Father have to say that about the Son? Of course not. But he did, didn't he? He looked down from heaven and he spoke those words of encouragement into the life of his Son. Mark chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 3 teach us that. It's a time when he spoke into the Son's life. And if we are going to be like the Father, then we are going to be encouraged to our sons and daughters. You are my son whom I love. With you I'm well pleased. When's the last time you've spoken those words of truth into your sons and daughters? Last time you looked at them and you spoke those words of encouragement to their life. Some of you have sons and daughters that are dying to hear those words. They're dying to hear those words. They haven't had a dad that says I loved you in many, many years. Some of us are blessed to have had that all our lives. And we should say, man, thank you, Dad. I'm blessed to have had that every day. And I pray that you'll be a dad like that. Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he says, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each of you as a father with his own children, he says, we know dads do these things. They, they encourage, they, they exhort their children. To exhort means to move to action. They encourage their children. That means to come alongside, literally in the, in the Greek language. You come alongside someone. Remember the last time when you either jumped your battery or had somebody jump a dead battery in your car for you? The, the, the weaker battery receives the strength it needs from the stronger battery. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about words of encouragement, words of strengthening from a father to a son, from the stronger to the weaker, and giving that to them so that they can be jumped off, if you will, to go along. The word encouragement in the language means that, to come alongside, to come alongside. And then to implore means to beg or to plead. It's usually what kids do with us, right? Dad, can I keep swimming a little longer? Well, just, just one more, one more. And, and, and so each of us as fathers should be encouraged to our own children. Each of us should encourage and implore and exhort. We need to be the biggest cheerleaders our kids have. When I look at those verses in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 or chapter 2, what I see there is, a, is the words of Paul saying, be like a dad. Dads, never underestimate the power of your words. 
Our children need our encouragement. They need our encouragement. My mom and dad were great encouragers to me, still are. They're living with us, and they still encourage me. In their 80s and me, especially in this situation now, great words of encouragement from them. Our children need that. It's hard at times, isn't it? How many of you have toddlers and younger? Let me see your hands. Yeah. Sometimes it's difficult. I mean, after a long night of sleeplessness or a sick kid or whatever else, and sometimes it's difficult to be encouraging. There was a baby who, a five-year-old Johnny, said they had a new baby brother screaming up a storm, just kept screaming and screaming. They couldn't satisfy him. And finally he turned to his mom and said, where'd we get him? (laughs) And the mother said, he came down from heaven, Johnny. Johnny said, wow, I can see why they threw him out. (laughs) I mean, sometimes it's hard to be encouraged, isn't it? I mean, sometimes, wow. But here's the reality, men, those words speak on. Do you remember, I've used this illustration a couple of times. There was a dad who took his four-year-old daughter out on a date for breakfast. They got their waffles and they're sitting there and he decided to speak words of encouragement into her life. And so he is telling her how sweet she is, how kind she is, what a good girl she is. Then he went take a bite of his waffle. And he felt his four-year-old grab his hand. And she said, more, daddy more. Those words of encouragement. Man, if they're adult sons and daughters, if they're teenage sons and daughters, if they're elementary or lower, speaking life into the words, into the lives of those kids. Make sure you do it. Now, obviously, we have to back it up. We have to back it up with our lives. It helps. It helps if we know how to do it. Some of you are saying, you're you're Italian. It's easy for you. You know, I'm German, I'm whatever you are, I don't know. just doesn't come out easy. Uh, let me help you. Let, let me help you learn how to tell your dad how much you appreciate him. Hey, here's a little video that uh, maybe help you. Watch this. I'm just going to say it. I don't know why it's hard for me to talk real with you, but it is. And all we ever do is talk weather and sports and sports and weather, and that's it. I don't know. What I really want to say is I'm thankful for how you loved me growing up, and you always made time for me, and I love you. Happy Father's Day. That was really good. You think? Yeah, you need to tighten it up a little bit, but other than that, you're ready. Okay. Thanks, Uncle Ron. Here goes. Good. Dad. Son. Looks like the uh, clouds are rolling in. Yeah, hope they don't postpone the game tonight. Listen, Dad, I wanted to I wanted to say something to you. Okay. Just I just want to thank of you for well, thank you for being, you know, a, a dad. Not not just a dad, you know, being for being one that's mine and not well, of course not just mine. You're Jessica and Jordan's dad too, but it's it's cool. Matthew. Uh, I, 
Yes, sir. I know. Dad, I, I don't think you do know. No, oh, no, I know. I heard you talking to Uncle Ron. I was sitting just four feet from you. Well, I meant it. Hey, your dad's here. Why don't you practice me? I want you to reach over and just say, Dad, I love you. I care for you. Thank you. And uh, what a delight that is. Or maybe the husband of your kids, or the dad of your kids, rather. Uh, it's a great time to do that. Some of us struggle with those words, aren't they? But what a great video to display that, isn't it? And here's the reality, man. We need to speak that both ways. We need to speak that into the lives of our kids and our kids into us. In John chapter 4, we see the sea of fatherhood. That's calling upon the Lord. Be a dad who prays for your kids. Be a dad who prays over your kids. Be a dad who prays with your kids. When we found out that Bev was pregnant the first time with our oldest, who's our daughter, we began to pray. Every night we'd lay our hands on Bev's tummy and we would begin to pray. We prayed for their salvation. We prayed for their health. And by God's grace, he honored those prayers. And then we began to pray for their spouses because we knew the impact that would have on their lives. And we began to pray, and we continued to pray. And we would tuck them in at night, every single night when they were young, we'd pray. I mean, our desire was to see God at work in their lives. Be a dad who prays with, prays over, and prays for your kids. Every night now, Bev and I join the hands and we pray. And we pray for many things. We pray for our kids. Pray for our grandkids. Be a dad of prayer. John chapter 4, look at it in your Bible with me. John chapter 4, verse 46. The interesting section of God's word. It says, he came therefore again to Cana of Galilee, where he had turned water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son was sick at Capernaum. The word royal official here literally means the king's man. He is one of Herod's most trusted officials. He probably has a well-manicured villa on the Sea of Galilee in Capernaum. He has wealth, he has rank, he has stature, he has privilege, but none of this can help him now. Not even Herod can help him because, you see, his son is sick. And somehow, somewhere, he hears that Jesus has come out of Judea and he's in Galilee, so he went to him. He went to him requesting help. Somehow, this man, who is used to giving orders, now comes looking for help. He recognizes he has to have someone help him because the son that he loves is now on the brink of death. He recognizes the son that he cares for may no longer be there in just a few short hours or days. We're not told the time, the chronology here. Pulsing from his heart, he would trade all the trappings of success for his boy. His job would not matter if something happened to his son. His wealth, his rank, his privilege would all go away because the most important thing in his life was his boy. He weeps, and he goes begging to the Savior. And he goes to the Savior, and he comes to him in verse 47, and it says, He came down and asked him to heal his son because he was at the point of death. And Jesus, in an uncharacteristic way, says, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. It's almost like it is. It's a rebuke. He says, Jesus is tired of being, tired of being a sideshow. People are coming to him only to be healed, but not to trust him as a savior. Step right up, step right up, and see the sideshow is what's happening wherever he goes. But what happens now is the royal official says to him, sir, come down because my child dies. He says, sir, if you don't come, my child will not live. And Jesus said to him, probably not the answer he wants. Go your way. Your son lives. Excuse me? Go back home. Your son's okay. Now this royal official has a decision to make. Do you trust the words of this man? 
Or do you keep grabbing him and say, come with me? And he has to make a tremendous decision of faith. Is he going to believe that his son is well? Or continue to beg and pull on his sleeve and ask him to come? And look at what happens. Jesus said to him, go your way. And then the man did what in verse 50? He believed the word that Jesus spoke. And as he was going down, a slave set him, met him, and he, he said, uh, he, he inquired them the hour when he began to get better. He said, yes, at the seventh hour. And the father knew that it was at that very hour that Jesus had spoken to him. And then you know what happens? Look at verse 53. They said, your son lives. And the man believed he and his household. Faith came to the house of the royal official. And Jesus was alive in his house as well as his son. And when you look at this, what you see is a father interceding for a son. A father crying out for a son. A father calling out for his son. Dads, are you praying, Dad? Are you praying, Dad? Do you intercede on behalf of your kids all the time? Grandkids, do you intercede? Pray for them, pray over them, and pray with them. It's also Jim Dobson who said, the best safeguard for the younger generation are the prayers of the older generation and how we should do that. To come alongside our kids, to pray over our grandkids, place them in our laps and pray blessing over them and into their lives. But be careful, granddads. There's a story of a little girl who was sitting in her grandfather's lap and he was reading her goodnight Bible story and she would reach up from time to time and just touch his wrinkled face and then she would touch her smooth face and his wrinkled face and her smooth face. And she interrupted the Bible story and said, Grandpa, did God make me? Yes, sweetheart. And did God make you? Yes, honey, he made me a long time ago. He's getting a lot better at it, isn't he, Grandpa? (laughs) Don't stop praying over him. The final point. Delight in the gift that God's given you. Just delight in him. Delight in the gift that God's given you. Psalm 127 is one of my favorite passages about parenting. Behold, children are a what? Let's say it together. Let's read this together. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. Children are a gift. Honestly, some of us need to hear that. They're a gift. A gift is something you treasure. A gift is something you delight in. A gift is something you enjoy. A gift is to be enjoyed. Think of the faces of kids at Christmas time. And some of us see our kids as burdens too often. Some of us see them as work too often. Some of us need to lighten up, slow down. Come home. Quit playing video games. Get off the computer. Hanging out with the dudes. And be the dads we're called to be. Have fun. They're gifts. Have fun with them. Enjoy them. We went to our uh, older grandson's t-ball game a few weeks ago. And uh, we got there early because our son-in-law is one of the coaches. And so uh, I love baseball. Played our whole life. My son, et cetera, et cetera. Well... Being a one-eyed dude is not really easy trying to catch a baseball. And uh, so I'm warming the twins up, and I throw them grounders, and they throw it back at me. And uh, 
you know, first couple, actually, I, I got near and actually touched the ball, didn't quite catch it, but touched it, and then Jackson threw one to me, and uh, I mean, I made a stab at it, and it just didn't even come close. And I hear Jackson holler, keep your one good eye on the ball, Papa Doe. <laughs> I mean, what do you do with that? You just laugh. I mean, that's a gift. I'm going to tell you, that's a gift. That's a gift. Hey, enjoy them. My dad was right. You blink, and what happens? They're grown up, and they're gone. You blink, and they've come and gone. Enjoy them while you've got them. A lot of us would say, man, take the time while you've got it and spend with them. I use this on Thursday morning with my men this week. It's an article that was sent to me. It says, when I was about 13, my brother, 10, our dad promised to take us to the circus, but at lunchtime there was a frantic phone call from the office. said that uh, he needed to come. And so we braced ourselves for disappointment. Then we heard my dad on the phone saying, I'm sorry, I won't be able to come down. It's going to have to wait. He came back to the table, and my mother smiled and said, you know, the circus comes back every year. I know, he said. I heard my dad say, but their childhood doesn't. He took him to the circus and enjoyed the day. Hey, guys, enjoy the privilege of being the family shepherd because it's a high, high and holy privilege. Some of us, today needs to be a day of rejoicing. You were blessed with a good dad. Some of us, it's a day of pain because you didn't have a dad like that. But you can change. You can establish through the A, B, C, and D of fatherhood how to change generations. So my prayer for you, dads, is that you'll be like that. Worship team is going to come up. They've got a song on fatherhood. I want you to pray. I want you to pray that God will touch your heart in deep ways, change your life. You want to pray? I, I don't know. Maybe just grab a son or daughter's hand or wife. You can come get on your knees down here. You can pray where you are. You can ask God to, maybe it's a time of confession. Maybe as a dad, you need to lean over and tell a wife, I am sorry I've not been the dad I need to be to our kids. Maybe you need to uh, just uh, be one, turns to your kids today and say that. Or maybe you've got a call in this afternoon. Or maybe you're like I am. You need to go tell a dad how much you love him and care for him every day because of the investment they've made in your life, whatever it is. When the worship team sings, we're going to bow our heads and we're going to do business with the Father as men and as women who are grateful for all that's happened. So wherever you want to go, you want to join me down here, I'll pray with you. In fact, I'll go to the back and I'll pray with you and uh, let's give God the glory. Father, thank you for these men. Thank you for men who desire to be godly men, godly fathers. Pray for those who are not blessed with that. I pray indeed this day, a day of great pain, would become a day of change. I pray for others of us who've been blessed. Father, we give praise for our dads. Pray for men in here who need to make changes. They'd make changes. I pray for some, Father, who want to be godly dads, but their sons and daughters won't respond. I pray for the pain in their heart this day. I pray for repentance of those sons and daughters. So, God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, we want to do business with you on this day.
for us which allows us to be fathers who love generations thank you for jesus thank you for your love in his name amen you're dismissed